We're beginning a new series today called Spirit Life. And, and, and the, the whole focus of this series is simply learning to live a life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So in our previous series on the Holy Spirit, we basically introduced you to the Holy Spirit, friendship with the Holy Spirit, how to relate, spiritual gifts, uh, and, and those kind of things. But now we want to talk about the practical side of, of walking out in relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit and the dynamics uh, of doing that. And, and so we're, we're going to do that. And it's, the, the reason we're doing this really starts with Jesus in John chapter 3. He's having a, a discussion with one of the Pharisees. His name's Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is confused by something that Jesus said. And so Jesus says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Because he's like, how do you be born again? Because like, he's thinking like a natural man. And how do, how do you do that? He said, Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born uh, of the Spirit. So Jesus is basically saying, when you're born again, just like the wind, you can't see its origin, but you see its results. This is what should be happening to those who claim to follow Jesus Christ. If you're following Jesus Christ, you have a, an experience with the Lord that moves you from, from where you've previously been. That's why we get forgiven of our sins and, and begin to walk with God and take you into a new uh, a, a journey with, with God. You should be living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. How many notice there are other influences that seek to influence our lives? Anybody? Uh, these other influences appeal to something inside of us that the Bible calls our flesh. When you see the scripture, when it talks about the flesh and it's not talking about like his flesh, his body, like, like in the New Testament, oftentimes the flesh is referring to your human nature and, and specifically the sinful desires of the human nature. And so uh, we have this. So not only do we have the influence of the Holy Spirit on us, we have the desires of our flesh and then we have the desires of the world pushing against us. Right? And one of the places I notice my flesh creep up the most lately, sometimes where I'm not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is like just when I'm online, like on a social media platform, and some foolish person disagrees with me about the way life works. <laughs> Anybody else ever sense that? No, you're, you're such holy people. I'm sure that never happens to you. Um, but I, I, I'll feel this thing and, and, and move upon me. And as we went through... Uh, you know, the, like we came through a building project and then we went right into COVID shutdown and then we went right into racial tensions and, and those kind of things. The one thing I learned from the building project through the COVID-19 uh, scenario, shutdowns, precautions to um, this, the stuff that we're facing today is everybody has an opinion. So here's the question I have for you. Where did you get your opinion? Did you ask God? I had a guy, I, I, uh, I had somebody have a problem with me when I posted, and some of you may have, and I, I'm, so we'll, do, we'll have the discussion publicly now, <laughs> where, where someone had a problem with me posting just a, the, the, you know, the black square the, uh, right after the George Floyd incident, and because they said, oh, that's part of this Black Lives Matter thing, and that Black Lives Matter thing's origin story is bad. I said, I didn't do know any of that when I did that. I did it because I care. And I said, and when I did it, I didn't do it because I saw everybody do it, and I stopped and said, Lord... I do care. What is this okay with you? Should I do this or should I not do this? Here's the question I have for you. Whether you posted a black square, didn't post a black square, or you even knew about one. <laughs> I didn't know that happened. You know, uh, whether you whether you find yourself in solidarity uh, with minorities that have faced um, injustice, or whether you don't. That, that, to me, those are all circumstances to deal with one simple reality. Whatever you do, are you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Do you practically, sincerely ask God to lead you in the decisions that you're making before you make one? And I mean big ones. I don't mean like, gee, should I eat a ham sandwich or peanut butter? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bigger things that affect relationships, that affect life, that affect God's representation in the earth and, and learning to ask the question, the whole thing about all this, it pushed me into a place of like, Lord, every man has an opinion. I just want to know what you think. And so today we're just, well, this whole series is going to be learning to get out from under our own opinions and thoughts, to get under the mind of Christ, to surrender to the influence of the Holy Spirit uh, on our lives because everyone has an opinion. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 24, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, 
these passages share a lot of different things, so I can't read them all right now because the service will go a lot longer. But the bottom line is, is they all communicate that we have something warring against our best intentions to submit to the Spirit of God. You face some kind of battle, and it, that battle starts with these things in our flesh, these desires within us, the self-protective nature, the self-desiring nature. And the, and the cool thing is, is the Bible says, uh, through all of this stuff it says in these three passages, that the method to win this internal war, the method to win the war in the spirit of the age of what we, whatever it is we face is to walk in the spirit. It's really that simple. And it's winnable. You know what I like about when the Bible says these things war against us? I'm glad the Bible gives us hope, that the apostles give us hope that we can win the war. That you don't have to be subject to your internal desires forever. You don't have to be a slave to those. And you, you don't have to be a slave to the opinion of other people. That you can become a, a follower of Jesus Christ and that you can win through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to put our focus and our energy on just learning to walk in the Spirit um, as the way to grow in God over this next over this series. And then, by the way, when this series is done, then we're going to move on to learning to actually hear God as a part of our series. And Pastor Vern will teach his legendary message on, on, on hearing the voice of God. We'll have a few others that'll be really good. That's going to really encourage you. But it starts with trying to get the right inner disposition. Don't even think about trying to do the other things without doing what we're going to talk about in this series first. So I, I want to talk to you today, really, about engaging the Holy Spirit, how to stay engaged with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you why. Romans 8, chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 1 through 5 says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Take note of those law words. For God has done, for, for God has done what the law, talking about Moses' law, weakened by the flesh, weakened by the human nature, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Remember, we're talking about human nature again. In the order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, not according to that human nature, not giving into it, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Now listen, at the outset of this series, there's one really important thing I want you to get. Walking in the Spirit is not for the spiritually elite. Walking in the Spirit is for all of God's people. And that's really important because uh, there can be people who feel like, well, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not good enough to hear or whatever. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. God has built within you a hard wiring to recognize his leadership in your life. And when you're born again, that thing gets activated. It gets turned on. My children, when I hold them and speak to them when they're an infant, they don't know what I'm saying. It takes relationship with me for those sounds. They go from an infant, you know, to this high, to this high, to this high now. Some of them are taller than me, so this high. It, it takes relationship for the sounds that I'm making to mean something to them. And in the context of that relationship, they come to understand my will, as it were. They come to understand my desires. They understand I can say less things to my older children, and they understand more than what I would have to explain to my younger children, where they're always going, why, Daddy? Why? Why? You know, and uh, because I'm going to put you in a rear naked choke cold if you don't, no, I'm just kidding, uh, if you don't obey. No, it's, but seriously, I, it's because I, we, we love them. We're trying to train them up in the way they should go. But walking in the Spirit's not for the spiritually elite. Listen, it's for weak, broken people being made whole by God's grace. So I don't know how you see yourself. I'm not weak and I'm not broken, but maybe you need to start there if you're gonna be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, the second thing I wanna point out out of this um, is this whole passage, and the reason we're looking at this passage is this passage focuses on this statement about laws, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. So here's the thing about laws. Laws, laws are effective 100% of the time. They're consistent. They can't be avoided. They can't be denied. They really can't even be resisted per se. They have requirements that must be fulfilled. So Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, the Bible tells us he fulfilled the law of righteousness. That's why you don't have to, you can mess up and still go to heaven. Why? Because Jesus already paid for it. It's already been fulfilled. 
Paul the Apostle here is now talking about another kind of, of uh, laws that need fulfilled. And you have the law of the spirit of life has set you free or fulfilled what the law of sin and death could do. And I know that stuff could be like, okay, that's heavy duty stuff. I don't know if I'm fully following you there. Well, think about gravity for a second. Like if I go, if I go try to stage dive off here right now, all right, my history tells me I'm probably gonna land somewhere close to that TV, right? I know my own weight. I know how gravity works on my weight. It works a lot harder on my weight than it used to when I was younger, I'm just saying. But I, I know how that works and I know where that's gonna take me. See why? Because gravity, gravity is effective on my body 100% of the time. Now I wanna compare gravity to what Paul the Apostle calls the law of sin and death. To every person born on this planet, the law of sin and death has had its way with you like gravity has had its way with your body. In fact, it functions very similarly. It's like weight that pulls you down, that holds you to this planet. And so I don't know how it worked for you, but when I said yes to Jesus, I wanted all my sins to go away. They were forgiven, but I mean, I wanted temptation to go away. I wanted to have no desire for it. I, so, so in the spirit of, I got some good news for you and I got some bad news. I'm gonna start with the bad news first. You will be tempted. Temptation's not going anywhere. In fact, the perfect man, Jesus Christ, was tempted, the Bible says, at every point that we are but without sin. Temptation is not sin. When you feel tempted, when you feel desire, you have not yet sinned. It's when you give into it that you sin. You understand? When you feel the pressure of it on you, that's really important that we uh, delineate between that. Otherwise, Jesus would have been sinning when he was tempted, but he wasn't sinning. He was just tempted. And so I wanted that to go away. And uh, you're going to be, so the bad news is you're going to be tempted. Here's the good news. The Bible tells us the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made you free from the law of sin and death. Now, wait a second, Jimmy. Didn't you say that the law of sin and death is not going anywhere? So how could the law of the spirit of life in Christ make me free from it if it's not going anywhere? And the best analogy I can give you would be that of like a, a, an airplane, like a, like a, say a, a 747, right? The pilot gets in his 747 and they do whatever they do to get the the fuel engaged in, in moving back to the engines, they fire up the engines and the fuel feeds the engines and there's this fire that begins to burn. And as that fire burns, it begins and they move, move the right you know, uh, uh, instruments in the right position to get, those, to get that plane moving down the runway. It begins to bolt down the runway, right? And it begins to experience what, what, what is called the law of aerodynamics. Different dynamics are happening. That first thing that's happening is they're experiencing thrust. And as they begin to have thrust, of course, gravity's already pulling on the weight of the plane. They get drag across it, and the thrust has to be greater than the drag that's coming against it. And so they begin to have this experience, and the wind begins to you know, get under the, the bottom of the plane. It begins to do this thing called lift, and it, it lifts it up. And so uh, well, all, what I'm getting at is here, as the requirements of the law of aerodynamics are, are met, those laws overcome the law of gravity in the same way the law of the spirit of life in Christ. When I walk in the spirit, I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That gravity that's pulled on all of us all of our life, when I walk in the spirit, it ceases to pull me down and I have power over it. It doesn't go away, but I have the power to resist it. Does that make sense? Really important. You're gonna love your Christian life a lot better when you get this. I want temptation to go away. Sorry, that's not happening. But once you like every time temptation comes, you go... You got nothing on me. <laughs> you missed. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's like to walk in the spirit. You just got to know. You're like, you got your spiritual spidey senses. You know where they're going to try to hit you before they hit you because you're walking in the spirit. And so, um, it, it, so here's the thing. Gravity doesn't go anywhere. It still exists, but it ceases to have that pulling effect on the plane while the requirements are being met. And know this for certain. Gravity will pull that plane back down should those requirements no longer be met. So gravity doesn't go anywhere. And, and so it is in the spirit. The law of sin and death doesn't go anywhere. Have you noticed that when you cease to spend time in the word and prayer and fellowship with God's people and those kind of things, you notice your mind just kind of, you get to naturally start to go south, maybe slow, but you become like the frog in the, the water of the world and pretty soon you're thinking like it and you're like, how did I get here? I've known lots of people because I've counseled lots of people who started out well, but who didn't end well. And they could end. I said, you know what? It can change in a moment. It can change. You're not stuck. 
The law of the Spirit. Why? Because the law of the Spirit is the superior law in the Scriptures. The law of sin and death is rendered null and void in your life. Are you following this analogy? I don't want you to fall asleep on this. I want you to understand that we all experience the gravitational pull of sin over our self-centeredness. It tries to pull us into it all the time. And when we begin to walk in the Spirit, we can resist that pull to find out what's on the mind of God and be able to do what pleases Him. And so that's, that's really the big goal. Here's the other thing I want you to know. Walking in the Spirit, it's an active process. It's not a passive event, right? You don't automatically walk in the Spirit because you're born again. Otherwise, you know, why do we sin, right? I mean, if I'm born again and I'm suddenly in the Spirit, people, people tell me that. I don't... I don't need all this Holy Spirit stuff. I'm always in the Spirit. Well, you're in a spirit probably, but you're not always in the Spirit. I can tell you that because you would never sin if, if that was the case. And so abiding, learning to stay connected is really important. In fact, let me give you a different analogy. Like born again would be like if I had a car on a, on a runway. It's a car. It doesn't have wings. All right? That's what it's like to be your old nature. That, 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 that vehicle is not even meant to fly. Being born again is like getting your wings. It's like getting an overhaul. It's like a car becoming a plane. That's the metamorphosis of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, and you become a new creation. But a parked plane still isn't flying, though it's got the potential. And a parked Christian still isn't walking in the Spirit, though they have the potential. You have to make a choice. It's a very intentional choice to want to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. It won't happen by accident. And so you don't, we need a persistent, now here's what I'm trying to say. You need a present interaction with the Holy Spirit now to conquer sin in the present in your life now. And when you stop interacting with the Holy Spirit in the present now, sinfulness and all manner of sinful desire is not far behind. Does that make sense? What do you think? I'll take a sip of water. So again, while the engines are and an airplane are fired up and the plane's doing what it's supposed to do and it's running great, it flies. You, you, those engines cease to function, it's going to drop like a lead brick <laughs> out of the sky real fast. Grand in other words, gravity will ensue upon the plane. And so this is the essence of what we talk about. I'm trying to help you take a tough passage in Romans and say, okay, I get what that means. So the next time you read that, you go, oh, this is about... This is the airplane thing, man. This is me. I need to stay engaged with the Lord as I do. I'm going to be able to fly in the spirit, so to speak. You need this ongoing vital relationship to enjoy freedom over the dominion of sin in your lives. In fact, let me say it this way. Focusing on denying your flesh, trying to resist that sinful nature without interacting with the Holy Spirit is, is fundamentally futile. In fact, that's exactly what Israel had under the law of Moses. They were trying to keep commandments or whatever they could, and that's why Jesus had to come and die for our sins and why he had to set up the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be poured out so that we could change. And so we need to be engaged. We need, uh, we need to be engaged with the Holy Spirit, like fueled engines. And in this context of walking in the Spirit, the engines represent our spirit. And I want to say the fuel then represents what we feed our spirit uh, to keep uh, the engines burning in us. And so keep our spiritual engine burning. And so and I want to say this. We learn in this passage, or this passage says, they that set their minds on the things of the flesh, well, they're the ones that walk in the flesh. They that set their minds on the things of the spirit, they're the ones that walk in the spirit. And, and it's really important that you get this understanding about setting things. I've done this analogy a lot in different things, but like if I'm holding this, if this water's over here, if I want it to go over there, I can't just go. That, that, that thing in and of itself has no will. I have to intentionally pick it up and I have to move it. I have to set it. I have to set it where I want it to be set. Your mindset has to be set by you. Are you following me? When, so, so the bottom line is so much of walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh has to do with what you're thinking about. It has to do with where your mind is set. Says the Lord. And so it matters, listen, it matters then. Just like fueling a plane or other things, it matters how much time we give to feeding our spirit. It matters, it matters that you take time to eat healthy, nutritious meals. You can eat a lot of junk food and it's going to have consequences after time. 
And to eat healthy, to eat right, to eat whole foods, you actually got to, you know, I actually got to peel stuff and whatever, or at least get somebody else to have done it. And sometimes you get your prepackaged onions that have been chopped up for you. You get know what I'm talking about. But still, uh, there, there's some effort that goes into eating healthy, and there's effort that goes into living a spiritually healthy life. And so many Christians, so many Christians don't do it at all. For many of you, this is your time of spiritually feeding yourself. And, and, and while that's good, I mean, I'm glad you're doing that. I, there's so much more for your life. There's so, a life in the spirit is such an abundant, awesome life. And, and let me say this. If you have an undernourished spirit, you're going to walk in all manner of self-centered pursuits. You just will. And as much as I can't lift it, I don't have the strength to do certain things. If I was undernourished, if I was emaciated, I don't have the strength to do certain things. Some of you are spiritually emaciated and you just need to start feeding yourself. And over the course of a month, you're gonna see a huge change in your life. It's gonna be huge. Our authority's founded in our inner life with the spirit. So Jesus talked about the father who sees in secret when you pray, when you, when you give, when you do these things. The father who sees in secret, he says, will reward you openly. And that's come to be known as the secret place. Jesus called it the secret place. Go into your closet. Go to that place of prayer. But listen, the closet and that aloneness in and of itself isn't the secret place. The secret place is this place inside you, this inner dynamic inside you where God knows who you really are and you know who you really are. And God wants to meet with you in that place. And he says, when you meet with me in that place, when you live out of that place, when you give out of that place, when you live under the eyes of God, not under the eyes of man, in that place, God will reward you Openly, In other words, the authority in your life to represent God comes from your inner life with him. Does that make sense? And we need the release of God's life within us that the Spirit promises. And we're, so today we're going to look at some things that we need to do to, to engage the Lord, to stay engaged, to keep our engines fueled, to keep our planes maintenance records up, as it were. You got to maintain your heart. Going back to the airplane analogy, like if a plane's if the plane's flying along, right, and, and uh, if it ceases to have fuel, right, it's going to drop. We, we established that. So a pilot then, because you're the pilot, you know you're the pilot of your life, right? You, you, the Holy Spirit's not the pilot of your life. If, if he's your empowerer, he's your control tower, he's a lot of things, but he calls you to pilot your life. You have to pilot your life for Jesus. The pilot in an airplane can't decide, you know, I'm not feeling maintenance today. I'm not feeling like fuel today. I'll try to take off tomorrow with that half tank and hope it gets me to, from Texas to New York. You know, that might be a real bad idea. What do you think? And yet some of us treat our spiritual lives like that where we're trying to run on empty as we serve the Lord. I've done it so many times. So I know, I mean, I'm an expert on this and I know that you have to refill, you have to refuel, you have to give time to refueling. And honestly, time is the most difficult thing to ask Americans to give today. You ask somebody living in the United States, I know I got people in Europe and other places, I'm assuming it's similar in other Western cultures. It's very difficult to get people to give time to their inner man, time to their relationship with God, time to their relationships with their family. It's hard. The pilot can't say, I'm too busy to refuel my plane any more than I can say, I'm too busy to eat. Some of you said, no, I wouldn't miss that. Some of us should be doing some fasting there and some feasting in our spirit. You know what I'm saying? I'll get away with that for a day or two, but eventually it's going to catch up to me. So uh, let's talk about engaging the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want you to know about engaging the Holy Spirit is, is you got to be intentional. Like you don't accidentally walk in the Spirit. You, you realize this. Like, like there, there's intentionality um, uh, to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Inasmuch as a guy with a sailboat's got a, or a team of, a sail team has to turn that sail to the wind to catch the wind that move, that propels the, you know, the ship forward. We have to do the same thing with our inner man. We turn ourselves to the wind of the Holy Spirit saying, influence me, breathe on me. Holy Spirit, I want to walk in the direction of you. And in that moment, you're taking your will, you're taking your mind and you're throwing that sail up to catch the wind of God's influence for your heart. And, and I think a lot of people assume it's going to be that way. You know, when, when marriages have difficulty, they end up in our office and they want to talk. 
And I'm glad some of them finally talk. Some of the people don't make it, they just divorce. By the time someone does it, you know what's often, like the number one root I find in most marital difficulty outside of just two selfish human beings staying selfish is being intentional in your relationship with one another. And by intentional, I mean trying, as I said last week, giving time to communication, giving time to friendship, giving time. And I find that when people almost fell over, uh, <laughs> give, we're using the other video. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, g- giving, so, so giving time, like giving time to family, giving time to relationship, giving time to the Lord is essential for there to be real friendship, to be real interaction, to be real growth. You, you can't rush that. And, I, and I, this isn't about, ultimately what I'm about to say to you isn't about legalism. It's not about like you gotta do X, Y, and Z to please God. This is about how long does it take to boil water? Well, you just gotta go through the process. How long does it take to bake something? You gotta go through the process. How long does it take to pick your thing? You've got to go through the process and certain processes just take time. So let's look at some of these things. I wanna give you a, a few things that you can do. Um, to help you stay engaged with, with, with God, with the Holy Spirit, to prepare yourself to be positioned so that when he breathes. So this isn't about, these things in and of themselves are not the influence of the Holy Spirit. These things position you to experience the influence of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand the difference? Okay, so in other words, a sail is not the Holy Spirit. A sail catches the, the you know, or, or, a, a sail catches the wind that's coming at it, which would be representative of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is engage the Holy Spirit, Spirit through the word of God. Engage the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Romans 12, uh, verse one and two says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So when he says to offer up your body, he's saying, hey, look, you, it's not, if I, he's, why, don't, he's, why doesn't he say offer up your spirit? Well, because the kind of people he's talking to probably didn't have a real big clue about what that meant. So start with the part you understand how to offer. Lord, I offer you my body. I'm committed today to not put, letting it do stupid things. I'm not gonna do stupid things on my body. I'm gonna start by surrendering my fleshly, what we call that human nature to you and bring those appetites under your control. And that's the beginning of true and proper worship, he says. Do not conform then to the pattern of this world. Don't come into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see this key about the mind again. The mind becomes critical to your personal transformation. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe the word of God has a significant, there may be a lot of different ways to try to renew the mind, but it almost always universally comes through inputs of education and knowledge, right? We know what we know because we went to school at a certain age. Your parents taught you something at a certain age. And as you grew, you kept reinforcing concepts. And pretty soon that becomes your inner bank of knowledge that you operate from. But what if that knowledge bank is wrong? Like, like, what if the hard drive needs formatted and reprogrammed? The Bible then becomes a great tool for us to format the drive, so to speak, and, and put the right programming in that's going to please the Lord ultimately with our lives. Ephesians 4, 23 through 24 says, tells us in a similar vein to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I didn't know my mind had a spirit, spirit of the mind. I thought you just renew the mind, but I get the idea. And I began to pray about that one day. Now in the original language, the word spirit means wind or breath. That's not real helpful. Like the wind of your mind, what's that mean? But how about if I said this, be, be renewed in the atmosphere of your inner man. So let's, I'll, I'll talk about that here uh, a little more in a second, but I want to start with this. Um, a lot of, t- I want you to imagine that I'm in a room and I'm trying, there's darkness in this room. It's all dark. And maybe there's a little moonlight outside because you're going to need it for the rest of the story here. And I walk over to the window and I go to open up the window and you see me with a bucket and I'm starting to take this bucket and I'm going, and I'm going out the window. You know, as I'm doing that, you're, you come in, you happen to walk in my door about that time and look at me and go, what are you doing? Man, I'm trying to get the darkness out of my room. You say, silly boy, why don't you just turn on the light, Right? You don't get darkness out of a room by trying to remove darkness. You don't get sin out of your life by trying to get rid of sin first. You need light to come in. Where do you get that? Starting with John chapter one. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God, talking about Jesus. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light 
of men, the light of men, the light shines in the darkness. Listen to this. Depending upon which translation you read from, it says, and the darkness could not, did not, cannot overpower it. Light's more powerful than darkness. In fact, Psalms are so strong on it. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, the entrance of your words gives light. So Jimmy, why do you start with this this idea of engaging the Holy Spirit to set you up to be influenced. Because when I allow God's words to enter me, I begin to shine light on all the things that are not aligned with God. And it sets me up then to begin to be influenced. Also, the influence by the Holy Spirit, it also allows me to test what influences are coming my way as whether they are the Spirit of God or not. And, and then the, uh, the second thing is to engage the Holy Spirit. Second helpful thing is to engage the Holy Spirit through praise and worship. Psalm 34, verse one through three says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall uh, uh, hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. How often does he want us to praise the Lord? At what? All times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. You know, a, 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 a praise is like an appraisal. I don't know if you know that. When we praise the Lord, we're actually appraising his value. So if I have two houses, I got this big house and it's luxurious and it's nice. And I got like this, I don't know, uh, like shanty shack thing made from tin and dirt floor and, and they're right next to each other. And we appraise this value at like a bazillion dollars. We, we appraise this one at like 10 or 20 or a hundred dollars. All right. I'm, I, but, so in other words, to praise something, to appraise something requires comparison. That's why you get comparables when you sell your home or things like that, to, to figure out the value of something. Notice what he says here. Come magnify the Lord with me. Why? Because the potential is to magnify something else. And when you do, the potential is to set a value on that something else that's higher than the value of God. It's not truly more valuable, but you've made it more valuable by your focus. When I was a kid, I used to love magnifying glasses. I mean, that was the coolest thing. When you're like five and you discover a magnifying glass, that is the, that's, that, that's the bee's knees, man. You're like, wow. Speaking of bee's knees, not bees, but ants, man. I take that thing outside the sun in Texas. Dude, I found a way to like laser beam, take that light and concentrate it to where it burns out all the sin in my life. You know what I'm saying? Them little ants, little sinners. I was a kid. I got bit. My, anyway, I don't like ants. So <laughs> kill them all that God sort of out. So, um. But there could be some good ants. There's no good ants. Um, so, so here's the thing. When we magnify, so you have the option. You can, you're going to magnify God or you're going to magnify problems. We do it with each other. You can magnify people's strengths or you can magnify their weaknesses. And we generally make generalizations about said people with their magnified, amplified perspective. This person is always this way. Almost no one is always anyway. But they will be that way in my mind if that's all I can see. And if I don't train my mind to see the good in others, if I don't train my mind to see the good in God in the midst of my bad circumstances, I'm going to accuse God of harm and ill will when he's done me no harm or ill will. Life circumstances did. Maybe the devil did, but God didn't do it. And the other thing is then when you start complaining, the Bible calls us to be, if we want to be children of light, we got to quit grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining is about tantamount to uh, uh, praising the devil, praising a bad circumstance. But what it's definitely not is praising God. So something to think about, something to do. Ephesians 5, 17 through 20 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So drunk with wine represents the spirit of the age and that influence. Then he says, be filled with the Spirit. Get under that influence. How? How, Paul? How do I get under that influence? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. What? How does that work? I'm not a good singer. He's got good news for you. And make music to the Lord in your hearts. That means you don't got to do it out loud. And give thanks. Listen to this. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so hard to do. It's so valuable if you can learn to do this. So what do you do when you have a difficult time? Learn to praise the Lord. Some of you have heard my legendary story of learning to roof. I was learning to roof houses and 
Um, the one thing almost every roofer does in his early days is he's going to smash his thumb with a hammer at some point as he's driving in little tack nails or whatever. My job, I didn't get the fun gun. I was all the guy around the perimeter doing stuff like that. And you inevitably and your thumb sends that searing electronic signal to your CPU that says, curse. And it's like, you know, you're like, you're, 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 you're hitting, you're hitting other places. And then and then I had this, I'd been training the guy that had been discipling me, happened to be working with me on that roof. And the last thing I wanted to do is let all the expletives I would have let out in the Marine Corps come out of my mouth. So if, you, if, if Navy guys can curse like a sailor, Marines have found a way to get a double portion of that anointing. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm like, and I'm like, you know, cartoon-like things. And I found myself trying. I just wanted to praise the Lord. So I was like, I, and honestly, Johnny heard, I don't, I don't think he heard me hit my thumb until afterwards. I'm like, and I'm like, contorting, and I'm like, praise the Lord. He goes, what was, he comes around, what was that? I'm like, oh, I smashed my thumb. I'm in so much pain. And he said, why'd you say praise the Lord? Because I didn't want to curse, man. And I was there. It was there. I was giving thanks to God in everything. Are you following me? Now, your circumstance, your pain may not be a physical pain. It could be an emotional pain. It could be a relational pain. Learning to praise God, learning to magnify God in it is essential to staying under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It really is. And we don't want to praise the devil. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is when Paul and Silas just got beaten in the book of Acts. They get thrown in jail, and at midnight, they begin to praise the Lord. And the Bible says their prison doors opened up and all the prisoners' doors opened up. And the guard that heard them praising the Lord got saved. Why? Because they didn't praise the devil for their pain. They didn't let their pain determine their followership of God. Folks, this is the masterclass. It's not, must God, I can prophesy, I can speak in tongues, I can heal the sick. But can you honor God when life is hard? Can you take up the cross of Jesus and give your life to circumstances and follow Jesus all the way in it, though it kills you? Can you receive the prophecy in the book of Revelation where he writes to the church and says, hey, the devil's going to have you thrown in, into uh, prison for 10 days. Be faithful to the death, and then you'll receive the crown of life. Thank you for that prophecy, Jesus. Nobody wants to, you don't want to come up in line and have one of our people pray that over you? I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, you're going to go to prison for 10 days. Just be faithful to the death and you'll get the crown of life. Have a nice day. Like, nobody wants that word. But can you see God in the midst of your prison? Because here's what happened to them. You could complain about the imprisonment and beating you're taking at the hands of life, or you could praise God in it. And listen, he just might shake your prison and set you free. And not only that, he might free others in their prison because of your leadership and example because you were able to praise God and things others could not. Three, engage the Holy Spirit through prayer. Jude uh, chapter one, verse 17 through 21 says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions and apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers. They'll be on social media and they'll be following their own ungodly passions. It didn't say social media. There'll be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Hello. They're definitely on social media. Anyway, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So there's a call for us to be a, a people of prayer, and that prayer in the Spirit. By, by prayer in the Spirit, uh, a few weeks ago in our Holy Spirit series, I talked about the, the gift of tongues. And, and quite specifically, if you go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, praying in the Spirit in that context is most certainly praying in tongues. It's, it's an undeniable connection. However, having said that, any Spirit-led prayer, any place that the Holy Spirit influences your heart, any place where you can go, Holy Spirit, uh, I'm angry at this person right now. How do I pray for that person who, who's saying this about me on social media? How do I handle this person that's that's uh, cut me off on the road or whatever. I don't know what, what, what your big deal is today. How do I handle my spouse? That's We live in friction. How do I pray for those who spitefully use me and persecute me? How do I? The moment you start asking that question to the Spirit of God, help me to pray. The Bible says the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, and he knows how to pray according to, according to the will of God. What's that, what's that saying? When you pray in the Spirit, sometimes even without words, you don't know how to pray. You're like, oh just so, ah, that's what's coming out of you. It's like nothing, it's just a groan, the Bible says. 
but yet God can be praying very, the Holy God, the Father understands what the work of the Spirit in your heart and knows what you need even before you ask him and without you asking him, except for that kind of guttural submission. So the issue that makes a Spirit-led prayer a Spirit-led prayer is the surrender of your heart that you offer it with. I surrender to you, God. And let me, let me talk about these, um, these, these three ideas, this, this uh, the Word of God, praise and worship, and prayer, and why it's so important. Why, why would God tell us to sing and make melody in our heart, in our heart? Why would I sing in my heart where you can't hear it? What's the value of that? Remember, the Bible says, be, be uh, uh, renewed in the spirit of your mind. And I said, the spirit of your mind, this is the idea of the atmosphere of your inner man. When I begin to praise God, when I fill the atmosphere of my inner man with the word of God, I, I fill it with the praise of God. I fill it with prayers, prayers toward God. You know what I've created in my inner man? Heaven. The Bible says in Revelation 4 and 5, there's the word of God is sitting on the throne and then you, Jesus Christ, and then you have praise and worship and elders falling down in intercession. And that's the reality of heaven. So when we pray for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven, it's not gonna first come in places. It's gonna come in people. Jesus said, don't look here. Don't look there. Look on the inside. The kingdom of God's gonna come within you. Like invite the kingdom on the inside. So when I begin to go... I praise you. Sometimes I'm walking down the road. You'll see me while I go to Stover's Dam. I'm walking. I can't always talk. If I look, people think I'm crazy if I did all the stuff I really want to do. So I don't. I, I think I got earbuds in. So half the time they think I'm talking to somebody anyway. But I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. No, yeah, people are going to be thinking I'm crazy. I'll start singing. But then I'll start singing on the inside. I can think my songs on the inside. And it, I feel different. I, I feel the presence of the Lord inside me as I do it. And some of you are like, I don't know if that would work. If you treat these activities, like you would treat going to a gym for 10 minutes and say, I tried that for 10 minutes. I don't know why I didn't get big muscles. I think I found the problem. The problem is you. <laughs> but if you take a season of your life and devote it to seeking the Lord, it will have a significant impact on your heart because you're creating the atmosphere of heaven in your inner man. When, those, when heaven aligns with what's inside you, you begin, to see, you begin to abide. You begin to see the fruit of that life. The other thing I want to, fourth thing I want to leave you with is abstain from ungodly influences. This kind of mystifies a lot of people, but it's really essential. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. It's a good point for me to say one final thing. Fix your thoughts. What do we got to do with our minds? Fix them. You got to set them. You've got to take control of your mind. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If it's not worthy of praise, you probably don't want to put a lot of energy on it. You're going to think it's going to come through your mind. You just don't want to dwell there. I want to dwell in the place of praise and where there's worth of praise, i.e. Jesus. I don't want to dwell on those things that, that aren't there. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me and everything you heard from Saul and me doing and the God of peace will be with you. All of you want the God of peace to be with you. And some of you, you need to abstain from the things that are, is social media disturbing your peace? Take a break. We call it fasting. In today's fasting context, maybe the most important thing to fast from isn't food. In our world, we got media inputs. I've been on job sites where uh, I will see an employee and they walk around and I see that maybe they're in a truck or they're doing something and I see they have their phone out. Are they being sneaky? Are they being disrespectful to their boss? My, my son-in-law, Gavin, he has, he doesn't even allow his employees to keep, they gotta keep their vehicles in the truck and away from them. Because the bottom line is, we, we got an addicted generation to stimulus for media. These people aren't trying to be evil or, or uh, sneaky. They're trying to get a fix. They're addicted. I want to get addicted to being influenced by the Holy Spirit. I want to get addicted not to the Spirit. I don't want to be addicted to the Spirit of the age. I want to be influenced by the Spirit of God. I want Him to breathe on my heart and life. And whatever is hindering, whatever makes my sail go flat is what I'm concerned about. I love John Wesley, uh, the Methodist uh, uh, founder, said this. He said, worldliness is that which cools your affection for God. If something's cooling your affection for God in your life, it's worldliness. I don't care if it's okay for one, somebody else. It's not okay for you because of its impact on you. Are you following me? 
We can all handle a little bit of movies. We can watch some movies. We can, we can handle a little bit of that, but you can't handle, if the preponderance of the influence in your life is news and media and, and, and movies and entertainment and, and the music of the spirit of the age, that stuff's programming you. That stuff's messing with you. That stuff's aligning you. And then you come to the Bible and give it a 15 minute read with, with like a little checklist. Like I read this today and I read this and you're just done. You're not really engaging it. I'm not talking about that kind of Bible reading and I'm not talking about that kind of praise and worship. And I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. I'm talking about where you give your heart to God wholly in that moment. No other distractions. And you open your Bible and maybe you take everything I've said today and you give, like, like some of you just need to build your devotional life. And as you build your devotional life, maybe you take 15 minutes a day and you, you read the Bible. Maybe you take another 15 minutes and you worship God. Maybe you take another 15 minutes a, a day and you add prayer. And maybe you take another 15 minutes and you journal all the stuff that came out of that time. Friends, you got an hour you just spent with God right there. It will go very fast. And each day, we tell when people do the core discipleship intensive, we tell them as you do it each day, it's gonna be hard at first, and then you're gonna wish you had more time. You're gonna wish it was two hours, then three hours. And if you don't believe me, uh, the only reason you don't believe me is you've never tried it. That's how I know. I know because I've never had anybody who's actually taken me, taken me up on that advice and done it for a season that it wouldn't change your life. And I wanna invite you to something as a church. For the next eight weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna be doing this series, then we're gonna do one of the series on hearing God. I want you to hear God, but this is the foundation. You gotta excavate here to get yourself ready. Excavate out the dirt and the junk of your life to get ready for God's influence on your heart and on your life. And I'm gonna invite you to eight weeks to say, I will at least get 15 minutes to the Bible. And I'm gonna shut out some of my other inputs. And in August, we have we go into our 21 days of prayer anyway. I wanna invite you to be a part of that. You say, I don't know how to pray. Man, we got, we've got uh, 10 prayer meetings, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., and then at noon, you can come be a part of any of those. And then now this week on Wednesday night, we're gonna have our, our worship and communion and ministry time. You wanna come learn to worship? I don't know how to worship stuff. Then just come, just get around it. Get around people who worship and, and, and just join in and know that we're not judging you. No, I don't care. I'm not looking at your expression going, oh, I don't, they're not doing it right. But that's, we don't play that here at Lifeway. I, in fact, the only thing that's right is your heart. Anything else is just exterior stuff. There was a man um, when I was younger, and I, I began, again began to work on this stuff, that, that prophecy that was given to me. He said, you've been concerned all about the, 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 the fruit on your life. And I see you in this picture like you're pulling uh, bad fruit off the tree, trying to hide the bad fruit. And that, was, that would exactly describe my, me coming to church during that season and putting my Sunday face on. And, and he said, don't, don't focus on that. If the Spirit of the Lord would say to you, focus on the roots. When you deal with the roots of your life, the fruit will change. Folks, that's what I want for life. I don't want any of you coming in here faking it. I just want you to come here ready to let God tend to your roots and you tend to your roots and the fruit will change and you'll love that fruit. Here's the deal with the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can't try to get that. I'm gonna try to be loving today. I'm gonna try to be joyful. No, you just gotta tend to the roots and that will just be the outflow of being influenced by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Would you stand to your feet? As you, as you begin to spend time with the Lord, I'm asking you to not give this like five minutes. As you go through this process, you give eight weeks to seeking the Lord like this. Would you just trust the Lord of the process to bring out the fruit? You can't plant the seed and pull it up and then hope it's, you're gonna see the growth. Plant it, plant God's word in your heart. Spend time in prayer, spend time in worship. You, you, if you can't, I can't do 15, 15, 15. How about five, five, and five? Can you give God 20 minutes? Surely you can, and it'll grow. I had a young lady I was talking to, uh, before, right as the church service was starting. We, she's one of the previous core disciples. One of the things she said to me, I love, I love to hear, I love to hear the, the people that I've discipled say this stuff. She, she came through a, a, you know, a series of bad choices in her life, addictive behavior, um, sexual immorality, those kind of things. Um, some of it stemmed from early pain, uh, childhood pains and trauma to whatever, but the bottom line is once those bondages get there, they're like that gravity, they're like the weight of sin in our lives that keep pulling us down. And Cor was not the first time she tried to get free from that stuff. I, I think she'd been in drug rehabs previously and those kind of things. And, 
And she just made a precious, powerful statement. She gave me a hug, she had this gleam in her eye. And she says, I just can't believe how different things are right now. And, and, and she says, I find myself thinking differently about the things that come my way. And, and I said, it's all baked into the process. We knew that would happen. You just gotta devote yourself to the time. There is, listen, I, I use this analogy regularly in my training and it's, if, you know, when I had a coal stove when I moved up to Pennsylvania and I, without telling you the whole process of learning to light that thing, but I remember being amazed that a black, cold rock could burn. And there was a lesson the Holy Spirit spoke to me through that. He said, Jimmy, though your heart be black like coal, hard like that anthracite, and, and though it be a cold, seemingly cold, if you put it in the presence of a fire long enough, it will burn. And I want to tell you that if you put your heart through the word, through prayer, through worship, through devotion to Jesus in the presence of God long enough, the God who is a consuming fire will set your heart ablaze. And your heart will not be able to resist. You just got to keep showing up to the fire. Does that make sense? Listen, some of you here today and you're like that car, you feel the weight of sin. You've not received Jesus as Lord of your life. You may have gone to church, but you've not made a covenant and you're wondering, why have I never felt this? I've never felt like I got turned into a plane. I never felt like this sense of the weight coming off of me. How many of you who said yes to Jesus, you felt weight literally come off of you? I felt weight come off of me, the weight of my sin, the weight of my guilt, but it was real weight. I actually physically felt lighter. The Bible tells us about Jesus, tells us to to, to keep, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And listen, set aside the sin and the weight that so easily keeps pulling you back down or besetting you. And God wants to help you get rid of that weight today. And some of you, you're Christians. Some of you have never said yes to Jesus. You need to do that. Some of you, you've said yes to Jesus, but you still are living under that weight because you're like a parked plane that never got started. You never figured out how to turn your engines on and all that stuff. This is the season to learn to turn that on. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Listen, if you're here today and you're saying, man, I got that weight on me. I got that weight of sin and guilt and I want it off of me. I want to walk with Jesus Christ and I want to start my relationship, this covenant relationship where my sins are forgiven and you believe that Jesus died for you and rose again and you believe that anyone uh, professing faith in him will not perish but have eternal life and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. If that's you today and you want to enter into that place today, you feel that guilt, would you raise your hand high and let me pray for you? Anybody else? Awesome. The rest of you, if you're here today and you, and you are saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I know God, but I have been, I've not been flying right. I mean, I walked in the Spirit at one point, but I stopped walking in the Spirit. And I, just like the, uh, I need a present engagement with the Holy Spirit now to conquer sin in the flesh now. And I want that. I want to begin to fly right again. I want to think right again. I want to love God and people right the way God wants me to. And I, I'm ready to engage that journey. Would you raise your hand high? And uh, I got my hand. I mean, I got two hands up. I, 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 have, I am faced with the same stuff you are. Can we pray together and ask God to help us right now? Can you say, God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I make covenant with you today. And I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. And I'm asking you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to train me in the word of God, in the praise of God, in prayers to God, that I can grow in the spirit. Show me what I should abstain from in my life. And fill me with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks for those who said yes to Jesus.